Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is a very special guest, Brian Schmetzer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. I don't need to do this intro. Brian, how are you doing? Uh, we're hanging in there, like a lot of other people in this country, a lot of, peop- a lot of people in Seattle, Washington, um, a lot of Sounder fans. We're, we're hanging in there and making the most of it. You know, I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra, who, you know, is an awesome guy, awesome goalkeeper coach, but, you know, is a real outdoorsman, real tough guy. Um, He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's I think that's a good one to keep in mind for uh, a situation like this, which is, you know, we try to put it into context, but there is no context for for this. This is, you know, we don't all get to experience something that is literally a unique thing in the world. And this is thankfully the first time that any of us had 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 to go through anything like this. Hopefully we will this will not become some sort of semi-regular occurrence um but it's it like how how what was your mindset when you first heard that okay we're gonna cancel training did you think immediately oh we'll we'll be back in a week or two or did you know that this was we were hunkering down for an extended period for you know maybe we we don't know when when we're gonna get back to doing things like playing i think yeah jeremiah i think i'm i'm pragmatic in a lot of ways I think when we all first, I mean, if you're stepping back, even from the day when the announcement came out, we were canceling training on, you know, we were getting ready to get on a flight to Houston. Remember, we're going to get a charter flight down there. But look, you know, back in time a little bit when the, when the COVID-19 was still in China, it's one of those situations where as a human being, you kind of notice it. It's, you know, it's, it's there. It's, it's something that hopefully won't come to affect us. And, you know, then it spreads a little bit more and it starts growing bigger. And then the first guy up in Snohomish County gets it and it, and it, and it starts to hit home. And so you almost had a little bit of a ramp up to that announcement that, yes, we are going to do this. We are going to stop training. We're not going to have games. So there was a little bit of a ramp up period and so I think I was prepared, again, because I think I'm pretty pragmatic about stuff. We could all see that this was going to be a, a, a very dangerous uh, spread of a disease that we don't know everything about. And so when it finally, you know, was announced, I was almost like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. It's the right thing to do to shut everything down. And let's see what we can do to be good citizens and, and, and let's see if we can't help in any way, shape or form that we can to slow it down and, and be safe. Yeah. And so were you able to actually do some planning where you put processes in place and said, okay, we don't know how long we can train for. We don't know how long we're going to have games, but we have a sense that this could really happen. And therefore we're going to, create these plans for players to train yeah. in isolation or something. Yeah. We immediately jumped to the best case scenario than the worst case scenario. So we already have uh, during that time when we first got shut down, we already had when we were going to go back to training, 
our first week's training plan already done. Okay, we knew this; these were the exercises, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna get them back up on the horse. Adam and Sean were working hard on the, you know, on the homeschooling, if that's what you wanna call it, you know, making sure that they're doing stuff at home, you know, running outside, because outside, you know, there's there's a lot of open space and that's a little safer doing doing some of that. But this is all now changing and it's all evolving because look, the longer we shut down and people that are have been on soccer teams, people that have worked in pro sports know that you can do as many individual workouts as you can, as you want. And there's really good pros, Nico, Christian, Jordan, Steph, they're all doing their work. And even individual workouts, if we had our gym or our facilities were open, it never can replicate what we do on the field as far as preparing an athlete for a game. In that whole training setting, you know, where you have everybody there and you're able to do possession games, you're able to do 10v10, you're able to work on tactics, you're able to do all of that sort of stuff, it's, it's never the same. And so the longer the season drags on without games, the more kind of rethinking we have to do about how to get them back into a playing shape, which again, look, I'm being realistic here. MLS wants to play 34 games. I mean, they, that's their intended statement. Yeah. And so they, they're not going to give us a five week preseason. They're going to say, Hey, we're open up training two weeks from now. You've got a game. You've got to fly to Houston and you've got a game in two weeks. And so we really have to prepare for that worst case scenario to keep the players safe, you know, with a shortened preseason and figure out ways how to, you know, when we kind of see that maybe the tip of the iceberg and it, when we're coming out the other end, um, what we can do with our players and how we can get them into playing shape. And I would imagine, so there's two kinds of challenges that I would think these, uh, this situation poses for you. There's one where, you have players who probably have a single family home. They probably have a yard. They maybe have relatively easy access to outdoor space and they can do something outside. But you, you have a bunch of players who I assume live in apartments or condos and maybe don't have that same sort of access. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. what, how, I mean, you must have to be tailoring this stuff for every player differently. and dealing with different limitations, uh, it must be mind-boggling. Yeah, it's mind-boggling for the, the sports science guys. I mean, us as coaches, we, we trust that they're going to do whatever they can. We obviously have added a couple ideas in there. Again, before Governor Inslee shut us all down, um, you know, guys could go out and go down to the local school and run around the track and stuff like that. Now we have to be more careful. So. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been challenging. It continues to be challenging. I'm hoping that as things progress, we'll have some some advanced lead time where we can at least get them to show up at Starfire. You know, maybe in a group of four, they don't change in the locker room or you know some something that's safe. That's obviously our number one objective is to keep the player safe, but. You know, can we get them out and start to get them back up on the horse in at Starfire on the grass field on their own and just, you know, start the process up again of getting them ready for games? Yeah, the, you know, one of the things that Gonzo Pineda, uh, 
showed us on his Instagram. He did an Instagram video where he was kind oh, of yeah. showing some I of the work it. that he was doing, which I thought was really, really interesting. And he was working with an, uh, an app, I guess you would call it, called Huddle, where, that you've, you've talked about in the past where you're able to kind of get clips yep. from games and, yep. and look at tactics. Are you, is there, I'm sure there is not a net positive from any of this, but are you able to do some kind of tactical work that maybe just isn't practical when you're trying to get prepared for games or you're trying to, you know, you have, to, you have this physical activity. Like, is there like behind the scenes work that you can actually get ahead on? Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, look, there's been articles on MLS.net, you know, you saw Caleb, you saw Lucci, you saw guys that you, every coach is going to do things a little differently. Every staff is going to do things a little bit differently. We certainly have kicked that around about, do we show them film? Do we make them do a little homework? Okay. You pick out the three clips against Chicago, the three clips you want to talk about against Columbus. I mean, do we do stuff like that? We have decided to not really start that as of yet. Um, we have checked in with players, but our team's a little bit different maybe than Dallas or Caleb in Columbus where Caleb's you know, trying to get a new group of guys together. Our group kind of knows how we play. Our group understands kind of what the tactical ideas are and objectives. So a little bit of homework, a little bit of you know, a little bit of mental training because guys are going in their, you know, in their apartments, they're going stir crazy. So giving them things to do, to keep their mind off of being locked up in a, in an apartment, that's more or less kind of what we've, our tact has been taken rather than saying, okay, we're going to be big brother and you're going to get on zoom and you're going to, we're going to watch you do the workout that Sean gave you today at 10 o'clock on Monday morning. I'm going to have 30 little screens up on my computer and I can highlight, uh, you know, one of the young kids and, and pull the screen up to make sure he's doing his sit-ups properly. I mean, we're, not, we're, we're, we're just not, I have a little more faith in our players. Yeah. Well, and I guess there's, there's, you know, there's another aspect of this, you know, we talk about the soccer aspect, we talk about getting these guys in shape. And, but the reality is that we're all people living in this thing, right? And yeah. we are social yeah. creatures who, even if we don't love every single one of our coworkers, we still kind of thrive on that interpersonal relationship, especially in a sports setting. How are you, I mean, you must have to do some like not like completely non soccer stuff with the players and, and with yourself and the coaches, like, how are you, how are you handling that part of it? And, and what's the kind of the mindset going into that? Yeah. Two, there's two, uh, I think there's two parts to your really good question. I think that's a tremendous thing to talk about because yeah, we have always prided ourselves that we have a really good locker room that we have a locker room where, like you said, I mean, look, there, there's always going to be, you know, age differences because, you know, because Danny Leva's 16 and Gustav's 34. I mean, Gustav could be Danny's father, you know? I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, there's, there's, there's age differences that, you know, might not create a strong friendship like, you know, like Gustav has with Steph. They're old, they're, they're roughly the same age, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they are, 
friends. They are, they are working in, a, in, a, in an environment where they all depend on each other. And so that's really important. So in that locker room, yes, Jeremiah, I, I, I'm worried sometimes. Is, are some of the players lonely without their buddies? I mean, lonely is a strong word. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the stuff that we, that we think about. And then, you know, from a coaching perspective, obviously we're all a little older and, you know, we have kids or Gonzo, Jimmy, we have kids and Brecky and I are the older ones. And, you know, we're looking at retirement here fairly soon, but we all have friends. And, you know, I think for us socially, it's a little different. We've had lots of video calls about, you know, the team and the planning and, you know, bigger picture items and stuff like that. So we stay connected a little bit more, but your question's a good one uh, in the sense that, yeah, I worry about the locker room and having those guys interact with each other on a daily basis is something that we've always promoted. Is there anything that you're able to do to kind of promote, like, like, is there a Sounders happy hour? Like, are there things that you're doing that are trying to, like, are you getting together with coaches and just like, unloading about your day and not talking soccer or are you encouraging players to have like purely social uh interactions with each other is that something that you even like is it it has to happen naturally i don't i mean i don't know how it would just seem like a a, a nightmare to try to yeah. navigate the stuff because it's stuff that you know my work tries to navigate and it's tough and we're not yeah Organizationally, Jeremiah, organizationally, uh, the front office, Pioneer Square, has done a lot of that. I think Jimmy Troiori actually won a prize for best coffee mug on, on yesterday's, on yesterday's uh, whatever competition they have. So we are up on Microsoft Teams and we send out, you know, we send out different little competitions. What's your workspace look like? Coffee mugs, outdoor photos you know, stuff like that. So I think organizationally, we do a good job. But again, I don't know how many of our players are actually logging on and figuring out Microsoft Teams and partaking in some of those little, you know, things to keep your mind off of the, the coronavirus. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, are the, and again, as I don't know how you were able to, how well you were able to know this, but you know, some of these players are most of your players are have been here for a little while, but you've also got guys like, you know, Zhao Paulo and Jamar who Jaymar. have only yeah. been here for like a few weeks, really. Um, do you know how they're holding up and, and whether or not, you know, like they must feel even more isolated than, than everyone else, I'm guessing. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of pressure. Um, and without divulging too many details, um, there was a lot of pressure to get Jao Paulo's family here before, you know, airports were shut down. Yaimar is in the process of trying to get his girlfriend in. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, the country's in lockdown from foreign right. travelers. And so that has been a tremendous strain on those two young men. And, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to help them in those situations and, you know, have them at least have family with them. Yeah, uh, I can I can only imagine what that what that must be like for for some of these guys because it's you know I I think you know I'm I'm guessing you're the same way where at least you know we have the family that we live with we ha you know I have two young children I have my wife uh, so it's not like I'm 
by myself at my house. Um, whereas, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that all your players have that sort of built in um, thing. And it's, and so I, no, they don't, <clears throat> no, they don't. And things settle down. I might, yeah, the, we don't, uh, we have it, you and I have it, but the players don't. And after things settle down, maybe we can get into some of the details of some of the stories uh, surrounding you know, that situation. Absolutely. Uh, so turning a little bit to uh, some of the potential soccer implications and, and what is not going on is, I don't know, what's, for someone like Nico seems like a situation where this may be a, you know, silver lining that it's giving him some time to really recover. Um, what's his, you know, what him and Will and, and guys like that who are kind of trying to get back to, to full health, is this, has this been, is this, is there any positive angle in from guys? Yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll do it in, in, I'll use both guys as singular, uh, as singular stories. So for Nico, yeah, it's, it's a benefit, but it's absolutely killing him. Because look, he, Jeremiah, he was right on the cusp of playing. I mean, we, we were, you know, contemplating taking him down to Houston, you know, if not Houston, the next game. I mean, he was super close. Mm -hmm. And then the league shuts down. So mentally, he is like, you know, just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. I've worked so hard to get back to the team and the team. And, you know, he's the captain. And you see his commentary all the time. He wants to be with his, with his teammates. And now the league is shut down. So mentally for him, he's like really chomping at the bit now to play. Uh, Will, on the other hand, was very close. And obviously, Will's a very super competitive guy. He's also chomping at the bit. But Will, remember, was ahead of the curve, you know, uh, as far as his ACL rehab. And the doctors were always trying to slow Will down. And so in Will's case, I think it's, I think it's okay that we kind of slowed it down a little bit just because, you know, just because that's better for Will. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's the beauty of landline. Yeah, I know that's showing your age there with the landline. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, one other thing and I'll, I'll, I'll let you get going after this, but one of the, I don't, I, I don't want to sound overly cheesy about this, but it was kind of heartwarming and, and positive to see. Um, and I'm guessing you took some, some pride in this was uh, Adrian Hanauer, obviously the, the Sounders owner, uh, his family put, put in, in $500,000 to start a relief fund for businesses and nonprofits and, and people that work in and around uh, the, the stadium area. Um, and we, we see around the sports world that that's not necessarily a automatic thing that teams are doing, that teams are weighing all sorts of, of, uh, paths that they can take in terms of dealing with this whole situation. Um, I just wanted to give you a chance to, to comment on, on that. Well, I think there's, there's a lot of things that we all can do to be good individuals in society you know, taking the, you know, quarantine, uh, quarantine's a bad word, but taking the fact that we are, you know, social distancing, worrying about the elderly population in our, in our communities, 
we can go and help people, we can talk to people, we can, you know, be good citizens. You know, people in Adrian's uh, world, they can certainly donate money. You can donate money in small portions, big portions. Uh, you can donate your time. There's a lot of, lot of ways that we all can help. What I would say about Adrian, though, and, and, and this is, I think, important for a lot of uh, Seattle people to hear and understand, is that I remember going back to 2002 when we took over, when Adrian took over the team and, you know, I was a first year head coach and we had to come in and we had to cut salaries. We had to slash payroll. We had to do things just to keep that USL team afloat. And Adrian was always the type of man, the type of guy. What he did was in, in and I remember these conversations very well. They were hard, you know, because USL guys weren't making a ton of dough, a little bit more money than the USL pays now sometimes. Maybe it's a standalone team, but we had to cut significant portions of salary. And so what he did is he underpromised and over-delivered. So he was always, from day one when I met Adrian, he always had that little bit of, you know, kindness in him. And so when he does stuff like he did, you know, yesterday, when he started the Ray Foundation a few years back, that's been in Adrian his entire life, or maybe not his entire life, but ever since I've known the guy, he's always been compassionate about people and things that he cares about. And so it didn't surprise me in the least. Obviously, I heard it was coming, but it didn't surprise me in the least that he would do something to help the people that are affected by our not playing games down at CenturyLink. I, 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 to me, it's just normal for Adrian to behave like that because that's the kind of guy he is. So is there anything that, uh, that you, you feel like any message you want to send to listeners who are uh, probably in a very similar situation <clears throat> as yourself here? Um, and, and think, you know, like, I guess, yeah, a, a parting, a parting word, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> you know, look, Jeremiah, I've said this on many, many, many occasions, the Sounders, we are, you know, we are the relationship between the players and the fans and that that's our club. And, you know, I would tell everybody out there, all of the fans, you know, the players who listen to your podcast, I'm sure there's many of them that listen to your podcast. Um, I would just say to them that you need to keep the faith. I mean, we need to stay safe. That's number one. We need to do all of the things that are prudent that are going to help the community and you just need to keep the faith because pro soccer is going to continue. The games will come back on. We will certainly see everybody in the South end zone again very soon or hopefully very soon. And we need to just keep being, you know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Well, that's a great note to end it on, Brian. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we will see each other in person sooner than later. Um, and uh, we'll be back playing games and, and talking about actual soccer. Hey, Jeremiah, thank you. All right, uh, you're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast.